Hello, I'm your host, Angelina Janice, and this is the CXCast. Welcome back, everybody, to the CXCast. Today, rejoining the show is my colleague, Gina Bowalker. She's a principal analyst on the CX team. Hey, Gina, good to see you again. Nice to see you too. Thanks for having me. Well, I had to reach out and bring you back on the show because I noticed you were working on a digital accessibility platforms landscape and later a wave. And we'll explain that, folks, in a minute because I know that's Forrester speak. But I realized it's been a good five years since you kicked off research on digital accessibility platforms. So I think we've got a lot to catch up on. I just want to know, you know, what you've been seeing in the past five years. What have you learned? Yeah, well, thanks for having me back. It has indeed been five years since I started doing research and writing about digital accessibility for Forrester. And so much has changed in the last five years. I mean, the most notable thing, I think, is that the drivers behind why organizations care about this topic, why they're actually creating accessibility programs, has changed. Um, when I started covering the topic five years ago, it used to be that you know companies were afraid of getting sued for not having accessible experiences, or it was all about staying compliant with regulations, which of course is still a very important driver. But what's interesting is we've seen the top drivers shift. So for example, if we look at tech firms, attracting and retaining new talent is a key driver behind accessibility programs. They realize that this is widening their talent pool, right? Hiring people with disabilities, um, untapped talent pool. For financial services institutions, they tell us this is about creating better customer experience for all customers. And this is about delivering on our DEI commitments or commitments to financial well-being and inclusion. Even when we look at retailers, you know, an industry that's really been the main target of accessibility lawsuits, the top driver that's popping now is actually this is about winning new customers, right? We recognize there's over a billion people with disabilities globally. They have you know, a lot of money to spend. Um, we want these customers you know, to be buying from our brand. So that's one of the biggest changes I've seen that I think is particularly interesting. And it's also changing how companies approach the problem of creating accessible experiences. So how do they approach that problem? Is this where design comes in? Where do we start? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned design because that's the other biggest change I, I've seen. As these drivers have started to shift, there's this recognition that if we really want to create great experiences for people with disabilities, not just compliant experiences, we have to think about this from the start. We can't wait until we've you know, developed the product and test and fix issues after the fact. We have to make this a requirement going into design. And so I'm seeing some really cool things happening in organizations. For example, I'm seeing design teams using accessibility tools that integrate into Figma, the most popular design workflow platform out there. They're using that to test assets before they go to development, you know, making sure they don't have color contrast issues, um, making sure they don't have issues with how they've structured their pages that are going to create accessibility challenges. I'm also seeing design teams starting to ask more questions in design critiques, you know, challenging their fellow designers by saying, 
Have you thought about how this design is going to be experienced if consumed by a person who's blind, who uses a screen reader? And by asking these questions, they're able to spot and stop issues very early in the design process. And then, you know, I'm even seeing some of the more advanced design teams doing things like usability testing their design ideas with people with disabilities, um, even, you know, inviting people with disabilities in as co-creators before they've even locked in on a solution. So these are really exciting developments that, again, have emerged as companies realize, wait a minute, this is about creating great CX. This is about creating inclusive experiences. That means we really need to be focusing on this, you know, from the start and not leaving it as an afterthought. It's great thinking about it from the beginning. And I think sometimes that can be the most overwhelming point. The idea of bringing in an expert at the very end of a project to just kind of look over things feels so much easier. So is there a way for us to start from the beginning and feel like we're getting off to the right start? Absolutely. I mean, I I have conversations every day with companies who tell me, you know, we have an executive commitment now to creating accessible experiences. What are the best practices as far as how to get started? And if you have that opportunity to really build in these good practices from the start, I would focus in on a few different areas. The first one is people, you know, kind of a typical people process technology framework is very helpful here. People. Number one, you need to make sure you have accessibility expertise in these product teams. And that can happen in a couple ways, right? Um, I see more organizations hiring accessibility experts into the company. We recently surveyed design teams, for example, and 27% of design teams that plan to grow in the next year are hiring accessibility experts. That's pretty cool. That's like a higher percentage than I've ever seen before. Yeah. Not every company, especially in the current economic climate, though, of course, has that luxury of being able to you know, add more headcount. So another common approach is to say, we're going to partner with an accessibility vendor who has that expertise, who has people with disabilities on staff that we can tap into for feedback. And you know, they're going to be kind of our on the ground subject matter experts as, as we work to improve our experiences. But the point is you, you need expertise because this is not something that, you know, designers, developers, testers are inherently coming out of school knowing how to do. So that's kind of the first piece. Yeah. Got it. And so you bring the expertise in and you want to bring them in early. So they're going to look at process next. Yeah, absolutely. The the key here is to really look at, you know, every phase of the product development lifecycle and say, how can we make sure that we are catching accessibility issues as early as possible? So for example, uh, I always point companies to IBM. IBM made their equal access toolkit, they call it, um, open source. They, they published it a couple of years ago and it's an awesome blueprint for, you know, from requirements gathering to design, to development, to testing, to release, you know, what are the key practices to, to integrate from an accessibility perspective? And honestly, the most important process, if you have to start somewhere, is working with the product owners at your organization to say, how do we ensure accessibility is a requirement? I interviewed a company recently where accessibility was part of the definition of done, right? Within their agile framework. It's not done if it doesn't meet the web content accessibility guidelines, which is the global standard for accessibility. 
So that's a really critical step that needs to happen. And so, you know, working with the people that own your frameworks as it relates to agile or whatever methodology you're following to say, how do we ensure this is a requirement on projects going forward? I love that as just a simple rule to follow. It's what's the definition of done? We can check off the box. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but at least we can ask ourselves a simple question to know if we checked off the box. Absolutely. And you can you can carry that mindset into different disciplines involved in product development. So for example, clients have told me that when they start talking to their developers about how if you create accessible code, you're basically creating broken experiences for people with disabilities who rely on a website having accessible code in order for it to work for them. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to light a fire under a development team. No developer wants to be told that their code is essentially broken. So it can be a really nice way of also just, you know, creating that important foundation for accessibility to take hold, you know, really um, engaging the makers of experiences and creating a desire to do better. And as this becomes more and more complex, it used to be so easy to just figure out what was free. I mean, IBM releasing a, a tool that helps with the process and how to think about the process is amazing. What's the next level thing? in all of this. Right. So there is one gap in how most companies approach accessibility that we would love to see change and that we are seeing from the companies that are leading here. And that is when we think about accessibility um, and you think back to the disability rights movement mantra, it was nothing about us without us. How that would translate into a product development process is we have to have people with disabilities involved in creating better experiences for people with disabilities. And you'd be surprised, Angelina, how many teams say, oh, we've integrated accessibility processes, but they're not bringing that perspective in when they're doing customer research, for example. So that's the, the next step that organizations need to take is look at their practices for doing discovery research, look at their practices for doing evaluative research, right? Once we have an idea, how are we usability testing that idea to make sure it's hitting the mark and say, how can we bring in this important perspective of people with disabilities as part of those research activities? And so that might look like doing inclusive design workshops. We've written about how Microsoft does this, where they bring in people with disabilities to, this is from Microsoft Xbox, to meet with gaming studios and just talk about the common barriers that they face playing games um, and creating that awareness within teams of you know what those common accessibility problems are so that they can be factoring in better ideas into the solutions that, that they're creating. I also see some companies partnering with community organizations, right? Let's work with our local organization for the blind and tap into their membership when we're doing research to bring in this very important lived experience perspective. Very cool and probably very inspiring as well. And then is, is in this testing where technology can come in? I mean, is that how we can make it easier to reach these audience types? Absolutely. I mean, there's several technology categories that play a really critical role when it comes to accessibility. Um, you know, you're hitting on one of them, Angelina, which is making sure that you have a remote research platform in place. Uh, our colleague AJ Joplin just published a wave on that category, actually, right before the recording of this podcast. 
and you know making sure that that you have a platform in place where you can get feedback from people with disabilities there's also some new research platforms like uh, Fable, which is based out of Toronto, that are being purpose-built for doing accessibility research, which is pretty interesting. And I'm seeing companies you know, piloting these sorts of uh, technologies as well. I love these names, Figma, Fable. Keep it coming, guys. I know. It's, so cute. it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from great naming, what are you most excited about in this space? So I'm just excited about how much interest I'm seeing in the space. I mean, my client inquiry volume has gone up so much in recent years because more companies are realizing this is important for the reasons we talked about at, at the beginning of the episode. I'm also excited because it, it's a complex problem to solve. Um, there was actually a study done by an organization called WebAIM where they tested 1 million website homepages and they found that over 97% of homepages are still inaccessible. What that tells us is that while there's a lot of commitment happening in organizations, the outputs still aren't great. So. I'm excited that we're starting to see more innovations um, from an accessibility vendors. For example, I talk to companies every day who are exploring how can we use AI and machine learning to improve the accuracy with which we're detecting accessibility issues. How do we um, generate better ideas for designers and developers for how they can remediate those issues quickly at scale? So it's just a really right problem to be solved. And there's a lot of new um, players emerging that are exploring innovative ways to approach the problem in, in a different direction than we've seen in the past. So I'm excited to see what comes out of that and, and just the passion also that we're seeing for accessibility out of certain communities like the design community. Amazing. I love how this topic is just full of inspiration and passion. Yeah. But on a rational note, we started this conversation because I noticed you were working on a landscape and a wave. Do you mind explaining what a landscape is just to start and, and why you're going on this research journey? Absolutely. So a landscape in short is really an overview of a particular technology market. Um, this particular market that I'm focused on, we're referring to as digital accessibility platforms. In short, these are platforms that help you as a company understand how you're doing today, like how accessible are your experiences today? What do you need to do in order to improve? And then to be able to report on the compliance of your experiences, which is very important given you know, all the regulations related to accessibility. So in the landscape, we're basically laying out, you know, here are the different vendors out there that are notable in terms of offering this type of technology We'll also be talking about as a buyer, what are some of the key trends you need to be aware of? Um, what do we see as the biggest disruptors in this space? And then, you know, what different use cases can these vendors support? That's the, the first piece, that's the landscape. The wave will be kicking off later in June is going to be looking at a subset of the vendors that create these technologies and will be more of an evaluative piece of research where we're comparing these vendors offerings on a variety of features that our customers are telling us are very important when they're looking for solutions in this area. So it's exciting. It's our first time doing a um, technology wave on digital accessibility platforms. And I think it's going to be really helpful because companies are at a point where they're trying to scale accessibility work and these platforms really help you do that. 
Yeah, I'd love your prediction going into this or your hypothesis, I should say. Do you think that this is a, well, I'm guessing it's not a mature market, but do you think there will be solutions worth buying in this space? Absolutely. I mean, th this is an established market in the sense that there are, you know, a uh, set of vendors that have been around for some time um, that have very mature offerings in this space. There's definitely some new players as well that we'll be talking about in the landscape that I think stand to, to disrupt the market. But yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I in preparation for the wave, you know, I, I interviewed accessibility leaders and quite a few organizations who are using these these platforms today, right? And was really trying to understand, you know, what are the main use cases these satisfy for you? What are the functionalities that you see as really differentiating and innovative um, that are helping you accelerate your programs? And you know, we learned a lot through those conversations, and so it'll be exciting now to really apply that and and to do an in-depth view into the market. I look forward to reading it and having you back on after this whole process is done and hearing how it all went. Absolutely. I'm happy to come back on anytime, Angelina. I appreciate the opportunity to talk a bit about what I'm seeing. Thanks so much, Gina. Thank you. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forrester.com or message us on Twitter at cx underscore cast. As always, you can find us at www.thecxcast.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights.